Back on September the 27th, we started this series that we're in that's called Your Move. And we've been talking about choices that we make. We've been talking about individual choices, but also we've been talking about some strategies on how to be able to make good and pleasing choices. We've said that this life is nothing more than the sum total of the choices that we make. That's all life is. So my life is choice plus choice plus choice plus all the hundreds and thousands of choices equals November 29th, 2015. My life is the sum total of all the choices that I made. And and even though everything that's happened to me in my life wasn't my choice, I had a choice on how to deal with what happened to me. I've had some, some really good things happen to me and I've had some lousy things happen to me that weren't my choice, but I had a choice on how to deal with that, whether I was going to pout about that or feel sorry or be the victim, or I was going to try to make the best of that. We've said almost every single message that your life, my life, is the sum total of all the choices that we make. Now, back on September 27th, when we started this series, we had George Jones help us uh, when we started this series. And some of you weren't here that day, and some of you are new to the church even since that day X amount of weeks ago back in September the 27th. So I want to finish this series the exact same way we started this series. I've never heard a secular th- song that has a more biblical theme than this one. Would you listen to the old possum sing? Okay. I told you it's country music. I've had choices Since the day that I was born There were voices That told me right from wrong If I had listened No, I wouldn't be here today Living and dying With the choices I've made I was tempted By an early age I found I liked drinking Oh, and I never turned it down There were loved ones But I turned them all away Now I'm loving and dying With the choices I've made I've had choices Since the day that I was born There were voices That told me right from wrong If I had listened No, I wouldn't be here today Living and dying With the choices I made Yes, I'm paying for the things that I have done. If I could go back, oh Lord knows I'd run, but I'm still losing this game of life I play. 
choices I've made I've had choices Since the day that I was born There were voices That told me right from wrong If I had listened I wouldn't be Uh, he, he sang that song, it was written for him, but he sang that song shortly after he wrapped his Lexus around a tree outside of Nashville, Tennessee, dead drunk one night. The song says, um, oh, there were loved ones but I turned them all away. And now I'm living and dying by the choices I've made. Old Testament says in Deuteronomy chapter 30 that God has given us choices, says that, plain as day, there and many other places. But it also says, now God says, choose life. Our choices have the difference between life and death. And the Bible says, God says, choose life. God's pulling for you. From the 46th verse of the Bible all the way through to the third to last verse of the Bible, we see choice, 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 choice. He told our first parents in Adam and Eve that um, you can eat from any tree you want to, but if you eat from this one in the middle, there'll be consequences. Here's a choice you have. Here's a choice you have. Then the third verse from the end of the book of the Revelation it says, uh, you know, for people who obey these words, uh, there'll be blessings. And for people uh, who would take away from these words or add to these words, there'll be curses. There's choice involved. The name of the album that George sang that song from was Cold Hard Truth. And, and, and that, that is a cold hard truth, isn't it? We don't like it because I want to blame stuff on you. And you want to blame it on me. Because none of us like to assume personal responsibility but the clear teaching of God's word from front to back is our life is the sum total of the choices that we've made and we can't we can't finish a series on choices without talking about what might be one of the a number one choices that you could be able to make it's a choice to be able to accept and revel in and bask in the unending and everlasting love of God. I think we, we get very much that God is a judge and we can get that and we can wrap our minds around that. But the fact that God is a father, revealed over 200 times in the, in the New Testament, only six times in the Old Testament, by the way, but 200 times in the New Testament, he's a father and this father has unending and undying love for us. I think it's harder for us to get that because we know that we're not very lovable people at least those of us who think seriously about our life and or try to get reflective. We know we've done lots of unlovable things and not really sure I'm deserving of that love. And if I don't do this and don't do that, God will turn his back on me and, and God will hit me over the head with his holy baseball bat and, and knock me off the straight and narrow or whatever that may be. We see God as a judge, I think, but I think it's harder to see him as a father with an unending and an undying love. But it's not hard for us to imagine ourselves as parents. 
Is there anything, is there anything our children can do to make us stop loving them? Now Levi tries. He does. But as much as he frustrates me and irritates me, there's nothing he can do to make his dad stop loving him. Now, I'm just a plain old human being. God is God. And if I'm capable of love as a human being, what is God capable of? How many times greater is God capable of that? I talked to a parent after the first service whose, hus- whose um, son is in prison for four years. I know this dad has gone the last mile with that son. I, I know this dad has given this son money. I know this dad has given this son chance after chance after chance after chance. Son serves four years in prison. He's clean from his drugs. He comes out and he goes right back to his ways. Still scamming, still trying to slide by by the seat of his pants. And the father has a tear in his eye for the son who he loves deeply, but who has scammed him and lied to him. Now, if a human being is capable of that, what's God capable of? Jeremiah 31, verse 3. Jeremiah was a prophet And back then they didn't have a Bible. And the prophets had to speak the word of the Lord and speaking to the nation of Israel. And by way of the Bible, speaking to us, the weeping prophet, Jeremiah called the weeping prophet because nobody believed him. And and he says, speaking the words of the Lord, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Even as I say this, some of you, it's going through your mind that that you're not a lovable person. You're unworthy. You haven't deserved this, and you are exactly right. But this God who says in so many different ways that he loves us says through Jeremiah the prophet, I have loved you with an everlasting love. This love is, is, is really, really hard to understand. It's hard to get our mind wrapped around. And every single time I try to be able to preach a message on the love of God, I walk off this platform and just think I failed. I didn't do it because how can you explain this? How, how can I be able to explain to you the great unending, undying love of God that was sent his very own son to the cross for you and for me? I wouldn't send my son to the cross for you and you wouldn't send your son to the cross for me. But there's some kind of a love from this God that Jeremiah says is an everlasting love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Jen, can you move to the Ephesians passage? It's Ephesians chapter 3. And Paul prays for us in Ephesians chapter 3 that we would be able to understand this love. Because he knows it's hard for us to be able to understand. And he knew we weren't going to be able to get our mind around, especially us guys that are cool. 
okay? Uh, we're cool and we're too good for this. And maybe the women, they can understand this kind of love because love, it's, it's kind of, you know, down the ladies' alley more than it is down our alley. We've got to make a living, by the way. And, and so we've got really important things to do. And it's really hard for us to understand this acceptance that we can be able to have because we know as guys that you don't get anything in this life free and you have to earn everything you get and how a God can be able to love us is totally foreign to us. And Paul knows that it would have been very hard for us. And so he prays that we could understand this. In Ephesians chapter 3, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Paul prays that we can get it. Paul prays that the light switch would go on for us. Paul prays that suddenly we would put aside temporal things and be able to to think on eternal things. And he says, I pray that somehow, by some miracle of God, out of his glorious riches, that you could be able to comprehend how high and wide and long and deep is the love of Christ. So this is a hard topic for you today. I get it. Paul got it. I love you. I have loved you with an everlasting. Compounds this thing that this word love is really hard. It's it's a weird word, isn't it? We love our spouses. That's a kind of love. We love our kids. Different kind of love. We use the same word. Um, We love our church. We love our God. We love our friends. We love our mother. We love our father. We love chocolate ice cream. All same word. All the exact same word to describe all those different kinds of love. And so the word in and of itself makes it very difficult for us. I like the passage that Jeremiah says. He says, I. Speaking the words of the Lord. Now he's a prophet, so he's speaking God's word. And he says, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That means I, that means God is a personal being. Now, he's not a person like me, but like you, but he's a personal being because all through Scripture, the Bible said God loves and God can hate and God can will and God can desire and God can be grieved and God can speak and God, God's eyes look to and fro. Those are attributes of people, of a personal being. Oh, he's not a person like you and I, but he's a personal being. And even though the Bible says that God is spirit, he has personal attributes. He's, he's not like the Wizard of Oz and the, the, the great wizard that's behind the curtain that's being able to control everything. How much easier it would be for us to ignore him if he was that kind of God, that impersonal God? How much easier it would be if it was just like Star Wars and the Force is with us? How much easier it would be to ignore him and, and put him aside, but... All through God's word, he says, he says, I'm a person, I'm a personal being. I see and I will and I hurt and I, I can, I, things bring me joy, things, th- th- I have desires, I have will. Can't ignore a person. Oh, you could ignore, you, you could I- ignore someone that is, is just the big man in the sky. 
You can ignore someone that is just an intelligent designer. We have a lot of people today that say, well, obviously there had to be a designer to this world. They're not ready to admit a personal God, they're ha- but they're obviously, you, I mean, you gotta be silly to look around and see that this world doesn't have design. So there will, they will be able to say, yes, there is an intelligent designer and they'll call him ID, intelligent designer. But they don't think he's any kind of a personal God. He's just the intelligent design of this world that spun this world into existence and lets it go. He's certainly not a personal God that cares about how you treat your wife. Personal God that cares about how you treat your kids. He's just the intelligent designer. Just some deity in the sky that has spun this world into existence. Biblical times, there were, there were, there were all kinds of different gods. There's a God for the sun, there's a God for the moon, there's a God for the river, all kinds of different gods. They worship all kinds of gods. We've never heard them talking about loving a God. a God. A God that they worship was a God you stayed on the good side of. It's a God that you hope you walked past him and he didn't even notice you, kind of like your boss sometimes, because you want to stay on his good side and he doesn't really, you don't, you don't really know how you really are because he's not that, you just kind of avoid him a little bit. A God that loves you was totally foreign to the ancient cultures until Yahweh came along until the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob came along and he says, I have loved you. I have loved you. It's an everlasting love. He's a personal being that loves and asks to be loved back. You make the choice to believe he's that type of God. Can you make the choice to to revel in his love? Can you make the choice to be able to bask in his love? Oh, Mark, but you don't know what I did last night. Can you make the choice to be able to bask in his love even though you did what you did last night? Can you make the choice to bask in his love and his acceptance of you even though he knows what you said to your husband, to your wife? Levi's disrespected me before, but that doesn't dampen my love for him. Why would God be any less of a lover than I would be? Why would the God who the Bible says love for God is a noun? The Bible says God is love. Love for us is not a noun. Love for us is a verb. It's something that we do. But the Bible says God is love. It's a noun for him. He, he, he just, he's, how do you explain that? It's just, he's just love and his, and his, 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 his pores bleed love and, and, and you twick him and he bleeds love and he says he is love. How do you explain that? How do you, how do you be a preacher and get up and explain that to people? Do you have that type of relationship? That's who he is. Bible says he's your father. Bible says if you're a Christian, you've been adopted into his family. It's that type of relationship you have. You can come to church all your life and not have that type of relationship. You can come to church all your life and sing all the songs and give all the money and do all the things you're supposed to do at church. And you cannot, you can miss that. And that's why Paul prays, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he will strengthen you in your inner being so that you would have the power to grasp how high and wide and long and deep is the love of Christ. Because basking and reveling in that love, in that acceptance, 
That's what it means to be a son or a daughter of the living God. Dr. Alan Coppage was one of my professors at Asbury Seminary. He wrote me a note one day, and I have no clue what the note was about, but he signed it. He didn't sign it sincerely. He didn't sign it uh, yours truly. He signed it living as a son, comma, Al, A-L, his name, Al, living as a son. Wow. He gets it. He gets it. Do you get it? You made the choice to revel and bask in his love and mercy for you. Do you bathe in it? Oh, yeah, he's frustrated with some of the things I do. Oh, yeah, he's working with me on it. Oh, yeah, he wish I didn't say that. Oh, yeah, he wish I would have dealt with that differently. Oh, yeah. But I've loved you. with an everlasting love. Love for us is a, is a verb. And so God would help us understand this love. He takes action. He takes action. And that, you see it in that passage, I have loved you. It doesn't say I feel love for you. I feel the emotion of love. I have loved you. I, I've taken action. I've put my money where my mouth is. I put right down where the rubber meets the road. I've gotten right down here dirty with you. I have loved you. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. The Bible says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. And he knows we, know, we need to know love needs to be demonstrated. So it says, God has demonstrated this for you, Paul says. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's taken action. I have loved you. It's just not an emotional feeling. It's just not goosebumps. Wow, a relationship is so much more than just those goosebumps. When I do premarital counseling with with couples, the first question I ask them is, tell, tell me why you want to marry her and tell me why you want to marry him and don't use the word love. Because it's got to go deeper than just goosebumps. I have loved you. I have loved you. First John 4 says the same exact thing. 1 John 4 says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I have loved you. I've taken the bull by the horn here. I've initiated this, this thing. While you were still ungodly, while you were still a sinner, while you didn't have a, even a thought of me yet, I sent my son to the cross for you. Can you imagine that kind of love? I can't. I can't imagine. I don't have that kind of love for you, and you don't have it for me. I've loved you. For God so loved the world that we would have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that we would have everlasting life. That's not what the verse says, is it? For God so loved the world that he took action. 
he gave. Don't tell me that you love the Ohio State Buckeyes, but never go to the shoe and watch them play, never watch them on TV, uh, never uh, check the newspaper or the internet to see their scores, never have a conversation in your family about the Buckeyes. Don't tell me that you love them if there's not some kind of exhibition of that in some way. God knows that about us. And if we would say to God, God, show me that you love him, he would look at us like, what are you talking about? I've given my son. What more could I do? There's a couple people in the church that just a couple of weeks ago realized that God gave their son, his son, for me. And we need to believe that. And we need to stake our hope in that. We need to lean real hard on that. We need to trust in that. And when that happens to people, we call that salvation. We call that being born again. We call that the new birth. We call that accepting Christ, receiving Christ, whatever you want to call that. Because God's love for us is to be responded to. Stephen Angel, would you come forward, please? Stephen Angel Getz have been attending church for a while. Jim Phelps invited them to church. And better be careful when you invite somebody to church. I may call them forward in front of everybody else like I'm getting ready to do right now. Come on up. They made an appointment with me. And wow, when you, when you, get, when you get by yourself in an office, you can really, really talk. And you can do so much more spiritual work than you can on Sunday morning. And so we had a good conversation. And, and I'm here to tell you, it was probably two weeks or so ago now that Steve and Angel accepted Christ as their Savior and wanted a new start in their life. They didn't have all their questions or answers, especially Steve's got some questions. And I said, hey, man, join the club. We all have those questions. But he knew enough to reach out and accept the love that God has given him through the person of Jesus Christ. God's love is to be responded to. Would you encourage these two who have responded to God's love? Thank you very much. Blessings to you. They'll be baptized next week well as Larry and Allison and some children as well and I have loved you (laughs) that love is to be responded to have you made the choice to bask yourself in the love of God I'm so pleased when sometimes I'll be getting on Levi he did something wrong he said something he shouldn't have disrespected his mother something like that and I get on him about that, give him a time out, do whatever I'm going to do. And he turns and looks at me and says, yeah, but you still love me, don't you? I said, you're right, boy. <laughs> the text says in Jeremiah 31, verse 3, I have loved you. This love is personal to you. It's individual to you. And it's individual to me.
See, before as a Christian, I understood that for God so loved the world. I could get, I understood about the world, that Jesus died on a cross for the sins of the world, but nothing happened in my life till I took it out of the concept of the world and brought it right here to my own sinful heart and made it individual. And it made it so much that I have loved the world as I have loved you, Mark. It's personal love. I'm so unworthy, I know you are. So am I. I'm so undeserving, I know you are. So am I. It's personal love. He knows you. He knows what you're thinking. He knows some of you don't want to be here right now. He knows that some of you are just dragged here today. He knows you. And even in all of that, he says, I've loved you. Loved you. God's pulling for you. God's the biggest cheerleader you'll ever have. If God has a refrigerator, your picture is on it. He loves you. He's pulling for you. He wants to give you a hope and a future. It's a personal, it's a personal love. He says in Isaiah chapter 49, speaking through Isaiah, he says, tell tell these people that I love them so much that I've got them engraved on the palms of my hands. Luke chapter 15, we is, we've sometimes heard a message on the prodigal son, the son that goes off into a far country and squanders all the money that his dad gave him. But Luke 15 is actually three different stories, three different parables. The first one is the lost coin. The second one is the lost sheep. And the last one is the lost son. And, and the woman loses a coin in the first story and she sweeps a whole house, even though she's got nine more, she sweeps a whole house to find that one. And the, the shepherd has a hundred sheep and he's lost one of them, even though he's still got 99, he just goes and looks for that one that's lost. And the father, even though he has a good son back working hard, he stands at the gate and he looks for that son, that prodigal son to return. Now what's the common denominator in all of those? There was one coin, there was one sheep. There was one son. God's love is personal. It's for the individual. Yes, he so loved the world, but the world is made up of you. Call your name. It's made up of you and you. Call your name. God says, I've loved you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. My agenda this morning is for you to choose to believe that and to believe this God that you can disappoint, yes, that you can frustrate, yes, that you can grieve, yes, that you can displease, of course, but this God in all of your weaknesses and all of your sin and all of your infirmities, this God loves you with an everlasting love more than your mom or your dad could ever fathom because they're just humans and he's God and for those of you that are struggling to believe it I'll just remind you that the apostle Paul's praying for you maybe up in heaven he's still praying for you I'm praying for you Steve I'm praying for you Doug I'm praying for you Sally I'm praying for you Linda I'm praying for you Karen I'm praying for you Joanne I'm praying for you Larry I'm praying for you Bob 
that you would understand the height and the width and the depth of the love of God. Because that's key. That's key to being a son or to being a daughter. I've told you some of the stupid things I did as a kid. I don't know if I've told you this or not, but I was 17, 18, and stole some Christmas trees out of Christmas tree lot. And that's stupid in and of itself, but I stole it in a marked van. One of, the, one of the guys worked for a heating and plumbing company, and it was just all over that. It was like it says, McAfee Heating and Air Conditioning, right? And so, I mean, it's how stupid can you get, you know? So they put me in the lockup for a night, not because I was a felon or anything, because I think they were trying to teach me a lesson. My dad came. That my dad came. And he says, you can do a lot of things that will displease me very, very much. But you can't do anything to make me stop loving you. Now, if a human being can do that, if a human being has whatever's in us to be able to make that type of statement, what type of love does God have? I spent 30 minutes trying to explain this, and as I always have when I preach on the love of God, I'm sure I've fallen way, way short. But this little three-minute video just maybe will do a whole lot more in three minutes than I tried to do in 30. Can we play that, Jim?
Mark, you don't know? Yeah. I don't know. But choose to believe he loves you anyway. Well, you don't know what I've said. I, I know what, I don't know what you said. Choose to bask in his love anyway. You may live and die and not respond to the love of God, but you cannot say that you've never been unloved. And this weekend is a prime example of that. God in his wisdom has seen fit to make us part of families. Make us part of a family with a mother and a father and a grandmother and a grandfather and aunts and uncles and cousins. What a marvelous exhibition of the love of God that he's created something like that. You may live and die and never respond to the love of God, but you can't say you've been unloved. The rain he gives us falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. The sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous. Choose. Choose to accept that love. And it only comes through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the symbol. That's what he's done. While you were yet a sinner, and I was too, Jesus died for us. And every single Sunday here at Xenia Nazarene, we celebrate the great, great love of God by remembering Christ's death on the cross. Every Sunday. And as you come this morning, it's a line of people that are unworthy. It's a line of people that don't deserve it. It's a parade of sinners this morning. It's a parade of the ungodly. It's a parade of people who haven't taken God seriously. It's a parade of people who have turned their back on God from time to time. But you've never been unloved. And the good father is still waiting for you. As the father was waiting for the prodigal son to come home. You can come home this morning.